we've um we've been on a on a journey. Who was here on when Lisa spoke? Who was here? Uh, I, I really feel prophetically that was a marker uh, a marker morning, like a pillar in the sand moment. God just did something significant. Um, many people want want movements. I received this word during the week from Seth that he, he said, many people want movements, but not many people are willing to allow themselves to be moved by him. And he, he prophesied over us and over the church that he, he really felt like this house would be a house that, that actually says, bend me, Lord. Bend me in a way that, that would shape something. And uh, Evan Roberts was a... Does anyone know who Evan Roberts was? Only a couple of you. He was a Welsh revivalist. Um... At the time, I think he was only about 19, and he, he'd had this burning thing on his heart for revival in, in Wales. And uh, the pastor was like, oh, good on you, you know, kind of, not patronising, but just sort of like, oh, you're young, and, you know. And so he said, can I preach? I feel like i got something to show. i got something burning on my heart. And he, the pastor let him have a, a prayer meeting after the, the service, in 1880 or 1890, whatever it was. And he, he, so they invited anyone to stay behind and pray. And he shared for about 15 minutes and then they just prayed. But he let God bend him in such a way that the Spirit of God was like, I found somewhere I can call my home. Because he's not interested in a visitation. He's not interested in revival that would come and then dip again. And then in 30 years' time, we need another move of God. He's interested in consistent increase of his kingdom. There will be no end. And so in Evan Roberts, with 17 people, had a prayer meeting. The Spirit of God poured out to where they, in Wales, the whole nation was changed. I think the next day, he, they, in the paper, they wrote, God, is, God has come to Wales. And, and they... They had to retrain donkeys because they used to swear at donkeys and the trainers got so radically impacted by the, the love of God that they would have to retrain them because they no longer would swear at the donkeys. So the donkeys didn't know what to do. Um, you know, th- this is a shame that this happened, but whole football stadiums shut down um, because, <laughs> because they didn't want to be at soccer or football. They wanted to be in church. Whole pubs shut down because um, they didn't want to be in a pub. They wanted to be in church. Where, to the point of where I think about a year into this move, um, people could walk through Wales. Now, remember, this is 1890, early 1900s, so there was no electricity. And they would, they would come past the church where it happened and the light would be on in the church. There'd be light, people would look at the church from a distance and there'd be a a light inside the church, not candlelit, like a bright light. And they're like, oh, Evan Roberts is praying. Wild, right? And so I I just, I I feel like there's something about allowing uh, us as a community to be bent by the Lord in such a way that we, um, yeah, we don't try and box him in. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. We don't try and box him in, and we give ourselves to to a, a move of of the spirit that we don't contain, but we just allow 
allow him to do what he wants to do. And um, I've got up there on the, on, the, our, um, on the screen our core values and I uh, shared these at the start of the year. Uh, identity, intimacy and increase. And then under them um, we have the mission of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus and the motive of Jesus. And the mission was to remove sin, to destroy sin. The message was to reveal the Father. The ministry was to proclaim the kingdom. And the motive was for us to know God. And that's the, you know, this is eternal life that you would know God. And then we have out of intimacy, we have the word of God, we have worship, we have warfare, and we have the working of miracles. People get funny with that one. They're like, oh, Liam, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't sort of glorify miracles. And it's, it's like, yeah, that's true. Don't, I don't worship miracles. But I, I also don't stop at the exit sign and wonder. The exit sign points to something greater. It points to a door that I walk through, right? But the exit sign's important. It shows me where to go. It shows me, it points me to something beyond what I can maybe see. And Jesus, Jesus said, right, so don't, don't, this was Jesus' words. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. You know, they'll cast out demons, they will cleanse lepers, they will heal the sick, they will raise the dead, they'll speak in other tongues. That's what Jesus said, okay? So, yep, we don't follow and worship signs and wonders, but he said, he said if these signs had happened in these cities, they would have repented and would be still with us today. The gospel has to be more than a good, good social club. It has to be more than that. And then increase discipleship, evangelism, kingdom, family. So everything I think that, you know, there's other things in there that we can add, and, you know, honour and a whole bunch of other stuff, but they all encompass, um, a, a, the, the gospel can be encompassed in a lot of those and be subcategories and things like that. So this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about warfare and, um, yeah, we'll see where we go. All right. <clears throat> you ready? I've got 35 minutes. You got your gospel track shoes on? <laughs> you got your running boots? Let's do it. All right. The gospel, the gospel is not a self-help program. It's not a self-help thing. It's a death and a resurrection. So it's not self-help. It's a die to yourself. And live for Christ. Now you only need to die once. Once will do it. Jesus died once. We'll just die once. People are, Paul said I die daily. Yeah, that's what he said. He was talking about he would die every single day to proclaim the gospel. He's not talking about our nature and our state of who we are. You know, there's people that would die daily just to go out and proclaim the gospel. They'd go to China or wherever they'll go. They're like, I'll go again. I'll go to, you know, Israel or Pakistan or Saudi Arabia or, you know. If you want to hear some cool stories, talk to this lady that's ministering to the Muslims. But it's, not a, it's a death and it's a resurrection. It's a, a first Adam 
and a last Adam. It's not first Adam, second Adam. It's first Adam, last Adam. There will be no other Adam. And what I find, what I'm feeling in my spirit for us as a community is that we, that we go on this journey, because as Kaz shared so beautifully this morning about kids, and, and it, that what I burn for and what I have a strong passion for is culture. You probably would know that by now. It's like, how do we create a culture, not just in here, a culture is like a greenhouse effect, right? That we have the, the not talking about stage lights, right? If you been around our church long enough you know we're not into that <laughs> I'm not against that I'm just not where this not that's not the main thing right so but culture is like the temperature the lighting you know the moisture in the ground the moisture in the atmosphere so that the things that you want to grow grow in that environment and they grow fast and they grow in, a, in the right way in a healthy way it, there is a process and it takes nine months to birth a baby Right? It doesn't take like that. Right? So there are, there are processes in the kingdom of God, good processes. And we need to learn. We get born again in an instant, but then the process is learning how to outwork what Jesus has paid for. That's the process. So the process is not I'm trying to get more darkness out and more light in, and this yin and yang thing that the, the world teaches. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom of God is you were born again. Jesus paid a price that you would be fully born again. You weren't partially born again. And he does... Okay, so we we know this, that we can't earn our salvation, right? We would all agree on that. We can't earn our salvation. It's a free gift of, of grace by faith. We activate what Jesus has paid for and we receive that free gift. So he did a really good job because it wasn't us. So he's really good at setting the captives free. He's really good at releasing prisoners from prison doors. He's really good at breaking the shackles off of people's lives. That's what he did and he's very, very good at his job. He says, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to release prisoners. I've come to give recovery of sight to the blind. I've come to do all these things in Luke 4. He announces his ministry. And he's very, very good at it. So, who the sun sets free is free indeed. All right. So, there are a bunch of free Christians living like orphans. And that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Right? And I believe it's partly... Sorry, I thought there was a fly in my... uh... I believe it's because we come out of hearing a voice that we're familiar with and we think then it's our own or it's God. The Bible says, my sheep will know my voice and as strangers they will not follow. It doesn't say as strangers you will not hear. Right? So, there are voices, and, and <laughs> not every thought that crosses the front of your imagination or your mind is yours. That, otherwise, 
Paul wouldn't have wrote, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He would have just gone, hey, every thought that you have is your own and every thought that you have is Jesus, so don't worry about taking it captive, just like receive it. But not every thought that you have is yours. And I believe one of the, the biggest, uh, one of, so the, the, the process that I'm talking about is, is the renewed mind. The process that I'm talking about is how do we identify how do we identify a thought comes across our mind that maybe is not our own and we identify it as a lie, we take it captive to the obedience of Christ and walk in the freedom that Jesus paid for, right? So here's this thought I've been having because a lot of, as, as, and who was here for Seth on, on Sunday night? You know, he talked about joy and how living in, in joy and they're like, and the biggest, I think one of the biggest hindrances to in Christianity is, oh, well, my experience says different. And that's, I'm not belittling your experience, but I'm not interested in, and hear my heart here, I'm not interested in my experience versus your experience. I'm interested in what the truth of God says about who I am and says about him. Jesus is the truth about me. Jesus is the truth about God, not my experience, Right? Because otherwise we have this wind of doctrine where someone says, well, my experience is different than yours. And it's like, that's okay. That's not, it's not necessarily, it's neutral ground. But it's, it's like, okay, what's the truth? The truth is, my sheep will know my voice. The truth is, he sets me free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Okay, well, I'm not living in the full freedom of that yet. Okay, that's okay. But he paid for it and you are completely, you are free now it's learning how to outwork work that freedom. So I'm not becoming more born again. I'm not becoming more married to my wife. I am fully married to her. Now I'm learning how to have a relationship with her and living the freedom. That's the process. Okay? So, <clears throat> so this, these voices, like, I, I don't know if, we, if you think like this, but I think like this. The devil... For me, the analogy of the devil lately has been, um, he's the Wizard of Oz. He's a little guy behind a curtain putting on a big show to try and get you to fear him. But when you remove the curtain, he's just a little dude on a bike pedaling really, really fast. <laughs> that's, my, that's my picture of the enemy. It's like, oh, the Bible even says we will look back and, and go, oh, was that the deceiver of the nations? We'll be amazed at like, oh my goodness, he's this petty little dude. And, um, but he just tries to put on the big lights camera show to try and get us to fear him. And so the devil doesn't come out the front and go, hi, right, Liam, I'm the devil and uh, I'm now going to torment you. You know, it's not, he, he, it's not like that. It's, he's like, so I had this thought, you know, the phone rings. It's like, oh. I remember that number. That's someone I used to listen to. I pick it up and he says, Hey, Liam, how you doing? Yeah, I've, I've had a bit of a bad day, you know, whatever, whatever right? It's like, yeah, you know, um, you, just, you just need to do more, you know. You actually just need to, just, you need to do more. If you do more, God will love you. You know, oh, you looked at, you looked at that thing the other day. You shouldn't have really looked at that. It's like, that's who you are. That's your idea. You're a lustful person, Liam. 
You're lustful. Gosh, you got angry at your kids. You, you are ang- you're an angry person. You know, like, you, you should know better. Like, you're a Christian. And these little voices come, you know, oh, you, all these other people, they're living in joy and freedom and you're not because of da 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 what you did in your past. You'll pay for that for the rest of your life. Whatever, right? I'm, I'm just, you know, you get my, you get my drift, okay? Then, then this other voice, this other voice rings and it's like, oh, that's, dad, that's dad's number rings on the phone. Oh, I'll pick that up. It's dad. But so often we think, oh, dad's going to just, he's just going to condemn me. He's going to tell me I should have known better too. So flipping heck, the devil and dad sound the same. Because he's, the, the, he's a father of lies. The devil, not God. <laughs> the devil. So his native tongue is lies. He lied with Jesus in the wilderness using scripture out of relationship. And that is important. He'll use this out of relationship and out of context to try and twist and get you to fight you. And you'll never win if you're trying to shadow box because you can't outrun yourself. So, the, the, so Father God rings. Hey, Dad. Hey, um, son, how you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm good. I've had a tough week, whatever. Hey, I just want to remind you that you're holy. I, actually just, I, want, to, I want to actually remind you who you are. If you read this and you feel condemned, you're probably reading it through the wrong lens. This doesn't tell you who you're not. This tells you who you are. So you read it and you're like, oh, this says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. This says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. This says that he knows every hair on my head and he's prepared good works for me in advance. I can't fail. I have three geniuses dwelling in my mortal body. I'm actually now dead to myself and resurrected in Christ. Oh, but Liam, I'm facing this opposition. But Liam, I have this in front of me. It's like, yeah, every opposition, every time there's an opposition, it's an opportunity it's an opportunity for God to come and do something miraculous in your life. So this says I'm a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a generation never before existed until this very point. This says that I'm actually more than a conqueror. How the heck do you become more than a conqueror? Something has to have been conquered. This is what this says, right? So in that moment, it's like, okay, whose voice am I going to listen to, right? I heard that one. My sheep will know my voice, and as strangers they will not follow. There are moments... Now listen, I'm going to just, just quickly touch on the, the other side of... There are moments in my life... I'll share one with you. I've got a few. Let me... Let me. There, was a, there was a time in my life where we were evangelizing on the street all the time. And um, we, we'd go out and, and we'd, just, we'd, go, we'd just like, we're taking youth kids out. I was, it was probably like 10 years ago. We'd take a bunch of youth kids out. We had about 180 um, different youth kids and we'd do these conferences and rallies. It's actually where I first met Shen. And, um, and, and, uh, and we'd just take kids out on the streets. And, 
and we just pray for people and we we just we saw awesome stuff probably the first hundred people i prayed for nothing and then we saw i remember this south african girl came off crutches it's the funniest story we prayed for her she's like on in a moon boot picks her crutches off takes her moon boot off and walks off and i'm like what are you doing she goes yeah thanks for that i'm healed just walks off and i'm like do you want to know who and she's like i know it was jesus thanks so much she's i never got to chat to her she just wandered off so bizarre Anyway, if you're out there and you watch this on YouTube, come see me. Um, but we saw amazing stuff and I'd, sh- I'd share these testimonies and, and, um, and we just incredible stuff and we were just running hard for years. And this one point I hear this like knife cut through my heart and God says, Liam, I miss you. And I was like, ugh. You know, it was one of those, those like, moments of like, you're doing all this great stuff for me. It's awesome. I love it, son. It's so good. But man, I miss you. Because I was, I was in this place of, I've just got to do more. I've got to, do, I've got to, I've got to evangelize the next person, which is good. That's not a wrong thing to do. But it, it became a bit of, for me, this is for me, it became something that was done out of a works mentality, not out of a rest, a place of rest. And it became out of, it became out, not out of intimacy with God. It became out of, I wanted the next miracle. I wanted another notch on my belt. I wanted another, whatever it was, right? And so it became out of this place of almost trying to perform for God's love again. Right? So that was, that was the, I believe in the discipline word of God. I believe in the, hey, that thing in your life, stop it. I believe in that. But it, John 15 says he disciplines those that he loves. Right? I believe in correction. I believe in those things. Okay? But I feel like so often we... we have that movie screen of our imagination where the enemy speaks to us in a way and what we do, and this is what I really want to hone in on this morning, so that was a big intro, um, <laughs> is, is we try and focus on the problem or the fruit of the issue to try and get free of it when Jesus is like, I've actually dealt with that already on the cross. And I'll, I'll demonstrate. So let's take anger. Right? So we're like, oh, I got angry at my kids, or I got angry at the person that cut me off in the you know, car park, or I, you know, I gave him the, 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 you know, the middle finger salute, or whatever, you know, like, I just, just, whatever it was, right? And you're like, okay, I don't want to live in this anger because there's this conviction of the Holy Spirit, and He convicts you of your righteousness. The Bible says that He convicts us because of our righteousness. And so, so we're convicted of something. Anger, lust, worry, whatever it is, right? And we're like, oh, okay, I want to focus on anger and try and fix anger. That won't work. Because you're focusing on the very thing you're trying to get free from when you're actually already free. Jesus isn't working on your anger. He's working on self-control. All right, let's go to Galatians, okay, Galatians 5, are 
Are you alive? Okay. But I say, verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self, uh, goodness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Not are crucifying, not going on a long, painful process and journey. Have crucified. Have. Past tense. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become concited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, say lust. Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Obedient children, well done. That's good. Take lust, for example. (laughs) Oh, very good. Very good. Take lust. Where, hold that thought for a sec. Where's the first example of sin in the Bible or the birth of it? In the garden, Adam and Eve. Where does it come from? Was it an internal job? Was it out external? Then in Genesis 4, it says that sin is crouching at the door, seeking whom it shall devour. External. Romans 6.14, Paul says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. In the New Testament, it's called fiery darts of the enemy. Where are the fiery darts coming from? External. Christianity is an internal job. It's... You're born again. Fiery darts land to try and get us to think the battle is internal. So let's take lust, for example. You have a thought come across your imagination, whatever it is. You're old enough to know. And then maybe, maybe you don't just have a thought. Maybe you even have a desire. Maybe 
it's like an actual, it's like a, actually a strong, who's ever had that? You're like, man, that, feel, that feels like me. It's, it's like, like I, I have a desire, this love, whatever. It's like poop, lust, anger, worry, whatever it is. There's this desire. It, it, it's, a, it's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's a da-da. Here, it, it, Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They're not your own. They're its passions and desires. The word sin in Romans is is used as a noun 46 times in the book of Romans. As a noun. So it's a person. It has desires that want to rule and reign over your life and get you to think that it's yours and then remove itself from you. I can have a friend in Brisbane and he can ring me up and actually terrorise my life if I answer the phone and he just belittles me, slays me, accuses me, lies to me, does all these things to me. He's in Brisbane, I'm in Melbourne. He can do that. I can get off the phone. He's still in Brisbane and I'm in Melbourne and I can live the rest of my life in torment over someone that's not even in the same state. Because you've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. He's not in the same state. Who the son sets free. Either we're free or we're not free. It's like we're free, but so often the enemy tries to get us to believe lies so that we will shadow box ourselves and not be effective in the kingdom of God. Right? So... The enemy, so God, so we come to God and we're like, oh God, I just, I, I looked at this last night and I'm sorry and I, God just help me with my lust problem or help me with my anger problem or help me with my worry problem and, or, and, th- and that becomes our prayer life. But we're actually still focusing on the very thing we're trying to get free of which act, and then we're actually still holding on to that, Right? They did a study with parents, and they, I think it was like 2,000 parents, and they, um, out of 2,000 parents, a high percentage, 95% of people who said they don't want to become like their parents ended up becoming like their parents. Why? Because the very thing they were trying to actually not do, they were doing because it was the very thing they focused on. Right? So it's, I love Jesus, I love God. He puts the tree in the garden, he's like, don't eat of that one, and there it is. Right in front of you. He didn't child-proof the garden. Right? He's not afraid of that. So there's choice. He's like, don't eat the tree. And what we do is we're like, don't eat the tree. Don't eat the, okay, don't eat the tree. Don't eat the tree. Don't, okay. Don't sin, Liam. All right. Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. We give into it. Right? So God does this, though. He's like, Liam, I'm not dealing with your lust issue. I'm like, but I have, I've got this thing in my life. And he's like, oh, I'm, dealing, I'm dealing with your purity. That's what I'm working on. Because I'm not beautifying a dead mummy, a dead corpse. I'm not trying to make that brand new. I'm not trying to make a dead person look good. Uh, you're actually a new creation. So I'm working on this. Because you have the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, da-da-da-da-da. 
So I'm not working on this to try and fix your anger problem. I'm showing you who you've become. So you'll have no need of that. So I'm not working on anger. Don't work on that. I'm working on self-control. I'm not working on lust. I'm working on your purity and your holiness. I'm actually trying to show you who you've become in a mirror, your reflection. You're like, holy smokes, that's how pure I am. I didn't do anything to deserve it. Yeah, that's right. That's called the gospel. Right? And you might be like, hey, this, is this part two of the Holy Spirit? It's like, yeah, this is part two of the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> he's in you like a river, not a lake. John 7.37 says, I've, give, I, I've given you the spirit without measure which you've yet to receive that will flow rivers out of you, out of your, your innermost being, like a river. I totally messed that verse up, but that's what it is. So it's in you as a river, right? And he says that you've yet to receive because I've yet to be resurrected. If he'd given us the spirit right then and there, we would have just conquered the law and the prophets. But he gave us a resurrected spirit because we're supposed to live a resurrected life. I'm going to illustrate this because... My whole, really what I want to hit home, if I can do this in about eight minutes, is, is that not every thought that we have that enters our mind is our own. And that the, even the desires that we have are, are fiery darts. And I'm going to give us two, two, just two tools that I really believe will help us in navigating, um, in navigating this. So... Corral, why don't you come up here? You can be my, my, my helper. This is some dirt that Sam got out the front of the garden. Now, do you want to eat that? No, thank you. No? Why not? Not good for, my body. Not good for the body. What if I told you that you had a thought and a desire... And I wasn't in the room, and no one was in the room, and it was just you and this pile of dirt, <laughs> and you were like, had a desire and a thought to eat the dirt. What would you would you eat it still? No. No. Okay. Good answer. You can grab a seat. <laughs> but you all walked past the dirt. None of you were like, "Oh, yummy!" You know, like. <laughs> Bit of dirt for me later on for lunch. Hope church finishes early so I can get myself some dirt. No, 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 you did that, right? I think so often we think the enemy, try, he, he like shows up in form. It's like, there's the devil. Now he's going to, hi, I'm the devil, Liam, and I'm going to torment you now. And I'm going to try and uh, tempt you in every way. And uh, yeah, you're welcome. He doesn't do that. Comes in thoughts, comes in desires, comes in all different kinds of ways. So we have this desire and this thought that, it, that oh, man, that's a strong desire to eat dirt. But hang on, I'm not a dirt eater. I'm not a, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. And I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that. So our prayer life then becomes this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he does flee. It's a promise. He does flee. 
So we have the, the desire, whatever it is, worry, anxiety, lust, whatever it is. Instead of like, oh, I just, I know I shouldn't have that. I know I shouldn't. Oh, no, da, 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 da. It's like, okay, I'm going to submit to God. Thank you, Father, that you have created me holy. Thank you that you set me free from every worry, every problem, every circumstance. You made me more than a conqueror. You deposited your Holy Spirit inside of me that whenever I face a trial, I can overcome anything in Christ Jesus. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. Absolutely nothing. Thank you that you actually call me the righteousness of God in Christ and you see me pure and holy. Help me to see who I am. Help me to understand this in a deeper reality. Thank you that not every thought that comes past this imagination screen of my mind is, is my own and that a fiery dart has got in somewhere and now I get to actually remove that thing and you're going to just, we're, we're going to go on this journey, God, and you're going to show me every single day who I am more and more and more and I'm just going to submit to your love and your love alone because a stranger's voice I'm not going to listen to anymore because there is a way that seems right to a man that leads to death. That's a Proverbs 14. There is a way that seems right to a man that leads to death and too often in Christianity we're like, okay, how am I going to fix this thing? And God's like, actually, don't fix anger. I killed anger on the cross. I killed lust on the cross. I killed worry on the cross. I killed this on the cross. Killed all of these things on the cross. Stop focusing on trying to fix that and recognize who you've become and walk out of that identity, not out of the old identity. All right? So, there was a lot in there. (laughs) One verse, one more verse. Give me five minutes. The cross recreates your history. You know, Abraham and Sarah, it says that Sarah believed God and it was credited to her as righteousness, a woman of faith. Well, when I read that verse, she laughed at God and mocked him. You know, Sarah, remember that? Remember when she said, you'll be pregnant? And she's like, ha, ha, ha. And he's like, did you laugh at me? Well, she laughed at him. But the cross recreated it to where God actually sees it differently. Go to Ephesians 6. I'll give you two, two practical tools here. Verse 1. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Did you see that? You can extinguish them all. 
Just sleep in it. <laughs> Just leave it on. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> there are times, and I, I really feel prophetically, there are people in here, there are times when, like he says, when you've done everything else you, you need to do, just stand. There are times where God's not looking for you to take ground. He's actually just looking for you to stand. I don't have the, you're like, God, I just have the strength to stand. That's all I've got. And God's like, that's, that's fine. Just stand. You've done everything else, therefore just stand. Because there's times where he's not looking for you to be a warrior, he's looking for you to be a son or a daughter. And so I just, just throw that one out there because I, I believe that's just, just a bit of a release for people that just, it's, time for, it's just a time to stand. It's a time to sit in his presence. It's just a time to sit at his feet. And just have him minister to you. Right? It's not time to try and fight a battle. It's just, I just, I've done everything. I've got all this. I've got all my armor on. I'm good. I just need to stand. It's good. One of the tools here that God uses is, he uses, he says he gives us the sword of the spirit. And um, warriors in that day would, would have often two types of swords. One would be for an offensive battle and the other would be that if fiery darts made it past the shield of faith and they'd hit you, it was an 18-inch dagger that you would take and remove the fiery dart out of your skin. I want you to think with me. Fiery dart comes, lie, whatever it is, somehow got past the shield of faith, hits you. It's on the outside. Why would we wear armor if the battle was internal? We trying to contain that thing? No. Fiery dart comes from the outside. Maybe it gets past the shield of faith, right? Hits you. Tries to expose a lie in you. This is who you are. This no no no. Whatever it is, accuser of the brethren. No 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 no. What's the way that we get free? We take this and we go, show me who you are so that it removes the lie. Let it cut me in a way that it removes the fiery dart. Who the sun sets free is free. So either Jesus... Oh, thanks, buddy. It's my glory word. Truth... So it's like this. I'm having this experience. I'm having this desire. I'm having this. Jesus is the truth about me. 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so am I in this world. Many people have said, I'll leave that's for a future tense. Well, why does it say in this world? (laughs) And God's outside of time. I'll just take it for now. Thanks. 
So he sees me. This is a mirror. Go one. This is this is the last verse. James one twenty two. So that's one, one thing. James one twenty two. Because I want us put us tools in our hands. James one twenty two says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For is any, if anyone is a hearer of the word, so it's talking about the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he is like. Mirror. Who am I? You can leave that there, Max. That's all right. Mirror. Oh, I've got this worry. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. Oh, fiery darts. Oh, take every thought captive. Okay. Standing firm. I've got my breastplate. I've got my shoes. I've got my belt. Oh, God, I've forgotten. I've just forgotten who I'm like. Okay, show me. Oh, wow. You call me righteous. Oh, my goodness. I'm holy. Hang on a second. As you are, so am I in this world. Man, Jesus, you're not up there in heaven biting your nails, worrying about if finances are going to come in because you own a cattle on a thousand hill. Oh my goodness, this thing says that I'm more than a conqueror. This thing says that I will do greater works than you do. This thing says that you have conquered sin, death, and the grave. You've cast the sin as far as the east is from the west. You've removed every transgressions from me and you're not judging me according to my past anymore because I'm born again and I'm a brand new creation. Oh, that's who I am. Now I'm a mirror seeing who I am and now I'm going to walk away and remember who I am I'm not going to forget who I am and if I do walk away and forget I'm just going to come back to this thing I'm not going to let somebody out there or some voice or something or through someone determine my identity and my value I'm going to let this thing determine my value and my identity and not ways that seem right to a man and just seem all like It's very good. The gospel is very good. It sets you free. The problem is we're fighting so often. We're fighting. Oh, but I had this desire, Liam. I had this worry and I'm just plagued by worry. Everyone's going to worry. All Christians will worry. No, we can be free from those things. I'm not belittling circumstances at all. I'm giving us an answer and the reason to live free. Man, that felt good. So the word of God cuts out the darts. And the second one I, just, I wanted to just quickly touch on was the, the shield of faith. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Faith is the conviction of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So f- I love this. Two, two points. I'm just going to quote Bill Johnson because he just encapsulates one verse and you can ponder it for the rest of your life. Um, <laughs> he says, faith doesn't deny its existence. It denies a place of influence. Faith does not deny a problem's existence. It, doesn't, it denies it a place of influence. Faith is the conviction of things hoped for. So faith is a trust in a father and hope... The biblical definition of hope is this. It's the anticipation of something good is going to happen. So faith 
trusting God that something good is about to take place. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is a tree of life. Who's the tree of life? Jesus. So faith, oh, this problem's happening in my life, Liam. Yeah, that, that's true, little t. But the truth, capital T, it's the convictions of things hoped for. It's a trust in a father that's only got good things for me. So put up the shield of faith in all circumstances is, is, is the phone ringing. I know that phone number. I'm not answering. Because I've submit to God, resist the devil, and he does flee. Oh, that phone call, and I was like, oh, delete that. Because my sheep know my voice, and as strangers, they will not follow. So you can get to this point in, in your life where, and I believe it's possible, where the things that try and plague you and torment you, they're no longer, you're actually victorious over them because of what he paid for on the cross. I struggled with lust for years and years and years. It's, it's just not an issue for me anymore. And I don't say that arrogantly. I say that because, and what got me free was not, oh, I've got to stop looking at those things or I've got to stop doing that. It was, God, I got in my bedroom and I was like, Holy Spirit, bend me. Bend me in such a way that I actually know my identity in God because you said who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm not living in that freedom just now, but I know that it's possible. And I need, I need you to show me who I am and who you are so that I can live in the fullness that you paid for because you shed blood for this so that you cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. You're not trying to fix a broken man. You're trying to, you're trying to get me to realize the new nature that I've become. Christianity is not putting a broken plate back together. You get a brand new life. That's what Christianity is. It's not picking up all the broken pieces of your life and putting them back together. It's giving you a brand new life. The greatest murderer of the, of the old covenant was the greatest writer in the new. Man, if he can take Saul, he can make him Paul. He can do anything in our life. So Christianity is not fixing... It, God's not dealing with the brokenness. And you know what I mean by that. He comes to the broken. He lo- like, don't take me out of context. Right? <laughs> uh, but he's, he's, hey, that's not who you are anymore, son, daughter. This is who you are. And I want to show you in Scripture, in his presence, and in the declaration of prayer, intimacy with God. That's warfare. That's warfare. Right, why don't you stand?